All 193 countries of the United Nations have declared it a concern of all nations, and the European Space Agency has made tackling it a key priority. Now, ESA and the UN have joined forces to highlight this topic of global concern, space debris. I'm Rosa Jesse, editor at ESA's Spacecraft Operations Centre in Germany, and in this podcast series, we'll speak to experts on space debris, space policy, space law, and more. Each podcast episode comes with a corresponding infographic, beautifully illustrating the issues raised. Find them in the podcast notes at isa.int slash space debris or at usa.org. Episode 3, The Cost of Avoiding Collisions, with Benjamin Bastida Virgili and Hazuki Mori. So hi everyone, my name is Hazuki Mori. I work for the Space Applications section of the United Nations Office for Outer Space Affairs. Um, in our section, we do a lot of implementation of international cooperation projects that we have with um, developed countries and also um, spacefaring countries to help um, everyone access to space. Um, thanks. It's really a pleasure to be on this podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm Benjamin Bastida. I work as space debris engineer in the space debris office for ESA, and uh, yeah, I've been there for already a few years, developing um, all the operational services that we are providing to our ESA colleagues uh, to support the ESA missions. Between them, it's the collision avoidance support. Great, welcome both. So today we're talking about collision avoidance, which is a huge topic in space and when it comes to flying spacecraft. Uh, Hazuki, maybe you could tell us what exactly collision avoidance is, what it means. Yes, definitely. So um, these days there is like a significant rise of the global space activity and we have many satellites on orbit. So currently the orbit is getting more congested and more crowded than before. And that is why we need to avoid accidental collision with other satellites with space debris. So that is why we need to do um, avoidance of collision. Basically, the point is that when we have a satellite operating, sometimes we encounter a risk that it's been hit by another object, a debris. So in this case, we need to make sure that we move out of the way of this debris. To do that, you need to do a collision avoidance maneuver, which implies that you switch off uh, the operational instruments of the satellite usually, because the data is not as good uh, when you are moving out of the way. And then you have to use some propellant to get uh, to this uh, extra new position where you don't have the risk to being hit. And then at some point you have to come back to your operational orbit so that you can resume the use of all the instruments. So all of this requires a lot of time, a lot of work of different teams. So every time we have such a risk, there is a lot of uh, people involved in preparing and doing this collision avoidance maneuver. Could you give an idea of how often this happens? Yes, at ESA currently we are operating few satellites and in average we have two maneuvers for each satellite per year. So it's uh, 
we consider we have about 15 satellites so you can count that every second week more or less we are doing a maneuver on average it's written in the infographic as well, but in 2007, um, the Space Debris Mitigation Guidelines of the Committee on the Peaceful Uses of Outer Space, which we call COPUS, was endorsed by the General Assembly and was published by us, UNUSA. And in the guidelines, it states that if available orbital data indicated a potential collision, adjustment of the launch time or an orbit avoidance should be considered. So it is already um, recognized at a very international level. And collision avoidance procedures and mitigation standards have already been adopted by some member states and international organizations. And all of this is pu publicly available through our website, along with other information such as research on space debris, safety of space objects with nuclear power sources on board, and problems relating to their collision with space debris. So the UN is trying to help mitigate these level um, help mitigate these problems on a different basis, not on the te technological side, but on the rulemaking side and the making of new guidelines. And Benjamin, how about ESA? What are they doing when it comes to collision avoidance? You've already mentioned that they're uh, doing some of the avoiding. Is there anything else? Yes. I mean, as, as I told before, we are continuously monitoring our satellites and making sure that those satellites do not get um, involved in a collision so that we move them out of the way of possible risks. But we are seeing that uh, more and more we have more debris and the systems are getting better. So in the future, it's possible that um, with uh, the detection systems that we have, uh, there will be much more debris that we can see and there are, in addition, a lot of new satellites being launched, so more operational uh, satellites. And we are seeing that if we continue in this way, there will be a moment where we, as human, will not be able to process all this data by ourselves. So we are trying to develop a completely automated collision avoidance system. We are developing the technologies at the moment so that uh, we can process automatically all the data and if necessary, the satellite would process itself where it has to move and do the maneuver without uh, human interaction. In addition, we are also trying to improve these uh, systems that we have from ground or from space to observe other debris. Because um, when you do a maneuver, you do it because um, you don't know exactly where the other object is. So you have an uncertainty, and this uncertainty gives you a risk. If you would know exactly where the other object is, probably you don't need to move the, the, your operational satellite as soon as uh, you have a risk, because it may be that you pass very close together, but you know exactly where the objects are, so you know that they are far enough. But that's only possible if you have better knowledge on the position of the debris. So for this, we have to improve the observation system. So we are also helping in this, uh, developing technologies to better observe. And the thing which uh, we want also in the long term is to maybe remove some debris, because when there is some object in space that collides, there would generate thousands of new pieces. So we want to avoid that a possible collision happen, even within uh, inactive satellites. So two objects which are inactive, they cannot do collision avoidance maneuvers, 
in the moment, but we could do something called just-in-time collision with, for example, a laser nudging, which means that you, with a laser, push on one of the two objects which is going to collide and slightly change the orbit in order to avoid that it collides. So we are working on these directions. That sounds pretty James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> to add, I mean, the more technology develops and the more it gets accessible and efficient to all the countries, it would help us during um, the rulemaking and making new guidelines because um, technology, I, I think, really has to develop first and then the newcomers of space can um, hop on board that. So I really hope that um, the technology develops, as you mentioned, and super new cool stuff come out as well. And also, um, I'm really happy that all the space agencies and the um, research centers, um, everyone is doing a lot of effort and putting in a lot of time to solve these problems. So yeah, I think it's a really great um, endeavor right now. Yeah, it really shows how when people put their minds to it, they can solve some really big problems with some really sci-fi sounding technologies. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask is you mentioned these warnings that you get, Benjamin, of collisions. Yes. Um, and I've heard before that you get hundreds of those we get hundreds per day yeah. wow. we get about 700 um, warnings three times per day for all the satellites we are operating for which um, most of them are just updates of previous uh, events so basically we get every eight hours an update of where the two objects are the target and the chaser but um, 700 per um, day means more or less that we have 100 new events every day that we discover because we have a seven-day window. So basically, more or less, there are 100 new events that appear every day. And as I was saying before, from those, more or less, every two weeks, there is one which uh, evolves to a collision avoidance maneuver. But there are also many cases where we start preparing for a possible collision avoidance maneuver and at the end, we can cancel it because some of the updates brings better information of the other object, of the chaser object, and then it's not required anymore to do a maneuver. But there are many events which require actions. And that's why we want to automate it as much as possible to avoid this much human work that is required nowadays to process all of this data. Is this... In space, collision avoidance comparable to, say, driverless cars on Earth, or is that a bad analogy? It's not exactly the same, because for the autonomous cars, you have all the information comes from the car itself. While here, the observation of the other objects has to be done um, from other places. So you cannot see the debris coming to you, the velocities where the debris, uh, the objects encounter each other at a low Earth orbit we are talking about, they are flying about 7.5 kilometers per second, which means that mm -hmm. in a head-on conjunction you are about talking about 15 kilometers per second, you would not have time to avoid um, a hit if you see it coming to you. It's just too short time. So basically, there are external systems which observe the objects, radars, telescopes, and with this we compute the orbit of the, all the objects in space, 
and with based on these orbits we cross them or we cross check if they will hit each other so based on the propagation of these orbits we know if there would be a conjunction or not so we know in advance mm -hmm. but we know with external data so for the, an automated system we would have to provide this uh, data to the satellite or to the system processing it but yeah we have to provide to the satellite this data and the satellite can process it or we process it on ground but then send the information to the satellite so you need to have um, an in-between step which processes the data. Collision avoidance, I think, is a really good example of just why uh, international cooperation is so important in this area. Of course, if you're flying a spacecraft and you see another um, object that you'd like to not collide with, then communicating with the people flying that object is really important. So it just shows why the work that the UN is doing is so important. Yes, thank you. I mean, international cooperation is the key to solving this problem and also preventing this problem. So um, the more data we have from um, space agencies like ESA and all the other organizations, we can share them on our website and then we would have um, people would have more access to information. So, yeah, um, international cooperation is always the key. And yeah, it's always depending on the technical side as well. So I really look forward to new technologies. Um, like um, automation and AI, as Benjamin was saying, so it would help us um, get through this problem. Yeah, and actually, for the for for the data that we are getting or the risks that we are getting, the radars or these observation systems are all around the world from different partners. So that's already a cooperation on sharing this data of the orbits of the other objects and how to get access to these possible risks. That's something that uh, it's also very important. So it's not only on how to address it, but also on the data itself, on the access to the data, there is a need for cooperation and better cooperation for sure helps everyone. Yeah. Um, maybe now we could just give people our takeaway message from this topic. Benjamin, how about you? What's the one thing you'd like people to really remember from this? I, I want people to think that or to know that it's not that unlikely that there is a collision in a space. Actually, it has already happened. There was in 2009 a collision between two satellites, Cosmos and Iridium. And what we know is that if there is such a collision, there will be thousands of fragments being generated. From the Cosmos Iridium, we had about 3,000, 4,000 fragments, more than 10 centimeters in size being generated, and much many more of smaller size, but those cannot be seen. So we want really to avoid collision It's happened in space because once we have such a collision, all the other objects get a higher risk because of this collision. So we really want to avoid collisions happening in space. Yeah, the main takeaway from my side would be that maneuvers waste valuable scientific opportunities. They require like resources of the spacecraft, such as fuel, and it takes a lot of time and work for preparation, which all could be allocated for better uses. So I really hope that we can work together for a better and cleaner environment where we do not really have to worry about these things. I really hope so. So thanks for listening. You can find out more about space debris and the work being done to tackle it at isa.int forward slash space debris and at usa.org 
and follow the hashtags SpaceCare and Space Sustainability on Twitter to join the conversation.